Hello, and welcome to Yes, That Really Did Happen. I, of course, am John, and today we're going to look at the uplifting story of Alice Ramsey, the first woman to drive across the continental United States, coast to coast. Yes, indeed, this was quite the accomplishment especially in 1909. So let's first start with the automobile industry in 1909. It was in its infancy. There were few people who owned cars and even fewer paved roads. Driving across country was a very, very difficult challenge. It was not like today. There were no interstates. There were no maps. There were guidebooks. The guidebooks had great directions, like turn left at the Red Barn. This was not a task for the timid. This was not a task for people not looking for major adventure. This was a very difficult task. So let's talk a little bit about Alice here. Remember, the story's about Alice. Alice was the wife of a banker in Hackensack, New Jersey, uh, named... John Ramsey. He was also a congressman. And he was about 20 years her senior. She was about 20 years old when she got married. And she was out one day riding her horse and buggy and her horse was startled by one of these newfangled cars that came out. This was in 1908. So her husband, being well off, thought that it would be safer for her to be out and about in an automobile. It would not be startled by an automobile like a horse would be. So he bought her a new Maxwell runabout. And being much younger than her husband, she had a little bit of quest for adventure in her soul despite having a two-year-old at home she put 6,000 miles on her car near Hackensack New Jersey in the first year that she had it and then she started finding these AAA American Automobile Association races these were endurance races and she was one of only two women to participate and she would run these races and win these races. She was becoming very well known for these races. She ended up getting the attention of the Maxwell Motor Company. Okay. And they were thinking, what a publicity stunt. You know, what 
a publicity stunt. So they decided to sponsor her to run their car across the country. Carl Kelsey, the Maxwell Motor Company's automotive marketing genius, who likened himself to P.T. Barnum, he had promotional shenanigans that were absolutely legendary. Driving company cars up the steps of a church, up the steps to City Hall, engaging in police chases to show how fast the Maxwells are. You can outrun the police in this car. Yes, it was a different time in 1909. One time he had a Maxwell run for 10,000 miles without turning the engine off to show how durable it was. So, this guy, Kelsey, a bit of a snake oil salesman, but the Maxwells were generally pretty good cars. Um, The Maxwell Motor Company eventually was bought by Walter P. Chrysler and... It began to bear his name rather than Maxwell, and that's where the Chryslers kind of came into being after Chrysler left Buick. So, but before all of that happened, Maxwell was a well-known automaker. So, he approached her and said, you know, no woman has completed a transcontinental trip. A couple of men had, but it really hadn't been doing all that much. And Alice was not real sure about whether or not she wanted to do this. She took six, seven days to think about it. And then she agreed. And agreed to it and had to talk with her husband. Now, her husband, being much older than his wife, knew that she had this quest for adventure. And surprisingly progressive for the time, he decided not to interfere and to let her go off. This was very unusual for any type of high-profile marriage like this was at the time. But he was a pretty enlightened guy for the time period, and so he agreed to it. However, he did have a couple of requirements, and one was that he take she take with her his two sisters who were much more conservative than Alice as chaperones he figured the sisters would keep Alice out of trouble well then there was one other person a neighbor who was 19 years old who Alice decided to bring along as well. And she was just a neighbor friend. And they took off on this grand adventure. Now, the P.T. Barnum of Maxwell Motorcars, Buddy Carl here, he really made this big. This was big, big uh, publicity. So on June 9th, 1909, in the pouring rain in New York City, a crowd of photographers gathered on Broadway to snap pictures 
of the automobile and four poncho-cloaked women within. The car was a dark green four-cylinder, 30 horsepower, 1909 Maxwell DA. A touring car with two bench seats and a removable roof. The woman in the driver's seat was 22-year-old Alice Ramsey. She was about five feet tall, slender. She kissed her husband goodbye, cranked the motor to start it, no electric start on this car, and drove off. Accompanying her on the trip, again, were Nettie Powell and Margaret Atwood, her conservative sister-in-laws, both in their 30s or 40s. There are different reports, not really sure of their age, but certainly older than Alice. And Hermione Johns, an enthusiastic 16-year-old friend. I believe I said 19-year-old earlier, but it looks like she was 16 years old, according to this particular thing. Again, the information on this is kind of sparse there are all kinds of stories out there and we'll get to that a bit um so just generally teenage neighbor two aunts in their 30s or 40s and two sister-in-laws i should say not aunts two sister-in-laws in in their 30s and 40s and 22 year old alice they're taking off three thousand miles across country Okay, so they're running across. Now, the only one who knew how to drive was Alice. Alice was going to do all of the driving. So, Alice had to teach her three passengers the basics of car safety, to wear hats and goggles, something that uh, proper women wouldn't do, long dresses with dusters to protect themselves from the dirt and the dust. Uh, They would spend nights at hotels. They would eat in restaurants. Sometimes people would bring them home-cooked meals or invite them into their home while they were traveling. And other times, they'd picnic on the side of the road. And other times, only what they could get at a general store. For example, they had coffee, cornflakes, and canned tomatoes at one general store because that's all that was there in Utah. So she was running across country, and this was going well. They were hauling across. And remember, at this time, this was 44 years after the Civil War. There were still people who actively remembered the Civil War. Only... 200,000 automobiles were around. The population was 80 million. And they were taking off on this 3,000 mile trip. There were only about 300 miles of paved roads at the time on this trip. The rest of the 3,000 miles was on dirt roads mule trails and just about the worst driving conditions you can possibly imagine and another thing to remember when this attempt started they were still 11 years 
away from the women in this car having the right to vote. This was a monumental, monumental task. So they're going across the country and they're having this grand adventure. Now, part of the idea behind this was that Alice and her passengers were going to conduct all of the maintenance, everything that had to do with the car on their own with no help from anybody. There were some times they got stuck and they needed a team of horses to pull them out. That was acceptable. Obviously getting stuck was. But all the maintenance on the car was handled by Alice and her drivers. Or passengers, not her drivers. Wow. Okay, that one was bad. You know what? I'm not going to edit that out this time. I normally would, but I'm not going to edit that out. So... They were running across country, and there were some problems. Uh, At one point, the car overheated. It overheated on the side of the road, and they didn't have any water in the car. There was, however, water in the ditch. However, they didn't have anything to pull that water up, except for her two sister-in-laws had their toiletry bags. So they pulled out their crystal and sterling silver toiletries, dumped them out, and they filled the radiator about five ounces at a time with the water from the ditch. Needless to say, throughout this drive, the two sister-in-laws, the neighbor girl, they were all getting into this. They were all changing tires. They had it down. This car went through many tires, as all cars did in those days. That's why most cars had three or four spare tires. They had the tube patching down. They were a well-oiled machine Anytime the car would break down. There were some, because this was sponsored by Maxwell, there were some bonuses added along the way. The um, <clears throat> Carl would make sure that Maxwell dealers along the way would have spare parts, gasoline, tires, and other things that would make sure that they weren't held up. He always made sure there was an advanced team making sure there were enough parts to rebuild this car at any dealer. Mind you, Alice was doing the rebuilding, but she needed the parts. So, as they go across this journey, they found that um, this car could manage 40 miles per hour. That was its top speed. What do you think about that? 40 miles per hour. How often do you go 40 miles an hour? This was its top speed and it barely did it. And they couldn't do it because the roads weren't smooth enough once they got out of New York State. Once they got past Poughkeepsie. When the roads stopped being paved. (laughs) 
there were other things that this car had. It had a five-gallon gas can. It had a skid plate. They did prep this car for um, this drive, including adding a 20-gallon tank in place of the normal 14-gallon tank by the car. There was also tow rope, tackle, and extra spare tires. Also in the this time period, it's, I think it's important to point out that tires didn't have tread on them. They were balloon tires. They were smooth. And one of the things they did on this trip to gain traction in the mud, and there was a lot of mud, was they wrapped canvas straps around the tires for traction. Think of it like snow chains except for treadless tires. So, they carried a minimum amount of gear. And they had much less than a normal person would have had traveling these distances in this, those days. You know, think about the era of steamships, which is about this time, 1909 to 1915. You know, the, the Gilded Age, all of this. You know, the Titanic was just a couple of years away. People traveled when they traveled with a lot of luggage. Uh, these women traveled with just about one change of clothes and uh, enough of other things to get through to a stop, maybe. Um They also surprisingly had enough of things with them that when they would get into a town and the town would turn out to see them, they would have hats and other things to properly, as a proper woman would do in those days, uh, display. So, to... Get across the country again. You know, there's no GPS. Obviously, uh, road maps were rudimentary at best, and there was this thing called the Automotive Blue Book, and this was a road guide pre-maps. It was used by travels throughout North America. So one of the guide books told people to turn at the Yellow Farmhouse. As I mentioned earlier, this is what we were going by. The guidebook said to get to this city, turn by the yellow farmhouse. Well, the farmer hated automobiles, found out that his house was in the book. So he painted his house another color so people wouldn't know to turn there. <laughs> that's just, you know, that's just, that's just low. I really don't like these cars and they're telling people to turn left at the yellow house. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to paint my house green so they end up on a dead end road. Because that's what he did. I mean, that's just, I, <laughs> that's just, oh my goodness. Wow, that is a new level of spite right there. <laughs> so, 
what did they do when the road book failed? Well, Alice and her riding partners, her passengers, decided that the telephone poles with the most wires, the most telegraph wires in these days, mind you, telegraph, the phone had been invented, but it still required a lot more wires than it does today. With fiber optics, you can put thousands of calls on one wire. Back in those days, you needed a lot of wires to make a lot of calls. So they would follow the telephone poles with the most wires because they would take them from town to town. The important thing in these days was getting to a big enough town that would have places to rest, to have hotels, to have a place you could eat, to have maybe a dealership where you could get car parts, or and just generally freshen yourself up rather than just being out on the road. Where these folks were going, there was very little infrastructure. It was miles and miles between towns, uh, which is again why the car had the 20-gallon fuel tank. So the PR team that they had prepped would be in each city and they would make newspaper headlines, talk about the car's uh, durability and moxie, as they would put it at the time. Moxie is named after a soda that was popular in New England and Maine in Massachusetts specifically. And if you ever have the opportunity, don't. It tastes terrible, but let's move along. And they would always claim that the car was making the trip without a particular piece of car trouble. Well, that's not exactly true. There was a lot of ingenuity by Alice and her passengers. They, again, I mentioned the using French cut perfume bottles to fill the radiator from puddles uh, to change a flat. They would uh, use a method that was, quote, just like mother used to extract the entrails of a turkey to pull the tube out instead of taking the tire completely off. All right, and they would spill it up. There was this big hill in Iowa. And early motor cars attempting... To get up the grade would have to go up into reverse because reverse gear had the most torque. There was a 90 degree turn at the hill's base. There's no momentum to get up this steep slope. And they were telling her, look, just put the car on a train. You know, the Maxwell people, publicity, put the car on a train. Who's going to know? Right? Who's going to know? So, Alice was not that type of person. (laughs) She said, no, no, we can make it over this hill. So instead of putting the car on the train, they unloaded all the luggage and her three companions and put them on a train. And then Alice went over the hill and made it up to the top. And then picked up her companions at the next train station. 
However, she did get stuck on the hill. And she did put the motor in low gear and started crawling it and then used some of the winches and the ropes and the tow ropes to fashion an early style come along and winch the car up the hill as it's just sitting there idling up. Uh, it, It was incredible. It took 13 days just to get through Iowa. Okay. It was so muddy and she had to stop and clean spark plugs and the mud so thick they called it gumbo okay so they meandered up and down the plain states to avoid weather and other hazards the alice and her passengers they used fence posts under the wheels for traction if they needed traction they would rip some fence posts out of the ground i'm sure the farmers love that uh and then they would use them for traction but they always did rebuild the fences before getting on their way so at least they were nice about it (laughs) um now they did break a rear differential, but because of the planning of Carl, the PR guy, there was a dealership nearby and could get them there. And through all of this, they sallied forth. They went through Sioux City. They went across the Missouri River. They hit Nebraska. And what they were ultimately trying to do was they were trying to beat the 62-day cross-country record, which was set by a man. So they were off on this adventure, and they were doing well, surprisingly well. There were a few things that did happen along the way. Uh, There was a manhunt for a murderer in utah and the utah authorities were surprised to find four ladies out motoring through middle of nowhere utah and that caused quite a stir actually they would promote where they were going to show up so people could cheer them on and people showed up by the hundreds and thousands to cheer them on Uh, At one point, uh, some woman was waiting at the side of the road in practically the middle of nowhere on her horse and buggy and cheered them on and said she'd been waiting two days for them to pass by and heard they were coming and she just had to see that women could drive cars. Uh, It's just amazing stories like this and it's amazing that this has not gotten the coverage that a lot of other things do. So throughout it all, in all of the problems, they did get there. And they got over the Sierra Nevada mountains, which in and of itself is an amazing feat at the time. They went through Lake Tahoe. And anybody who's been to Lake Tahoe, these are not small mountains. This is a big area. This is where the Donner Party got stuck. They... Ended up 
getting into Sacramento and then on to San Francisco. The closer they got to their final destination, a bunch of automobiles joined. They drove down Market Street to the Maxwell Showroom in San Francisco. And the San Francisco Chronicle reported that they re- uh, received a reception very few women had received. She had made history and had broken the record. So when asked why she did it, if she did it for the publicity, she just said she was out to prove a point that women can handle a car just as well as men. So at that point, she took a train home, not really relishing in it much, very long, um, but took a train home. Maxwell Car Company gave her a brand new car once she got home, just like the one she drove cross-country, because the car she drove cross-country, they didn't clean it, they didn't do anything to it, they took it on a publicity tour to every dealership that they had, showing how tough the Maxwell was and how easy it was to drive it. So it was quite the amazing thing for them. All kinds of things happened to them on the drive, and it was quite remarkable. In 1960, Alice was named the Woman Motorist of the Century by AAA, and she also drove cross-country about seven more times (laughs) just for uh, excitement. Uh, She died in 1983, at the age of 97. And it was quite the amazing thing that nobody talks about, right? We all know about the Cannonball Baker, Sea to Shining Sea Express, the fastest person to cross the country. Now, that didn't happen for several years after the uh the maxwell alice drove across country in 1909 baker did not make his drive from los angeles to new york city until 1915 he did it in 11 days and seven hours mind you the record alice broke was 62 days she did that drive much much quicker um i just lost the sheet and i'm not going to edit this out because why not We're going to try a raw one with fewer edits this time. Um, So it looks like, uh, what day did they pull into San Francisco? She did it in 59 days. So she really did beat the other record. And again, I just find it amazing that this story is not told. It is an amazing story. Research it yourself. Just look up Alice Ramsey cross country. It was quite the incredible story and quite the incredible feat. And this episode's running a little long, but it's worth it. Just a really nice upbeat story. So that is it for today's. Yes, that really did happen. And tune in next week. And we'll see what other excitement I can find.